Hey guys, my name is Michelle. I'm Doreen. And I'm Kelly. And we're the team behind The Weekly Dosage. Welcome back, guys, to the eighth episode of The Weekly Dosage. Okay, so y'all might know this, or you might not, but at this point, you should know I'm a ginger, and so today's weekly news is going to be sort of surrounding that and it's going to be about red hair and its correlation to pain threshold and sort of what this means for medical treatment for yeah. gingers and stuff like that because it is quite interesting how it's different so a little background on you know what exactly red hair is mm-hmm. because you might know you might not wait is is red hair is that red hair red okay my hair is orange it's called red hair that's beside the point Anyways, so people with red hair have a gene variant of the melacortin 1 receptor that controls melanin. And melanin controls pigment of the skin, hair, eyes, and hence controlling the red hair. Melanin can come in two forms, either eumelanin or femelanin. And people with red hair produce mostly femelanin, which is also linked to freckles and fair skin and poor tanning, which I'm (laughs) sure, you know, y'all know is a common trait with red hair. But researchers led by Dr. David E. Fisher in Massachusetts examined a connection between this melanin receptor and pain perception in people with red hair. So what they did in this experiment was they had red-haired mice that kind of like a red pigment to their hair. I don't think so. Ginger mice. Yeah, basically it's ginger mice with this gene variant that you know humans do have. So just like ginger humans do, these mice showed a high tolerance to pain than the regular, like, old brown-haired mice, you know, <laughs> which is actually kind of interesting. Well, that's actually kind of weird to think about, you know, like, the, the ginger mice. Yeah. But that's, okay, I'm still just, not over the fact that there's a ginger mice. Okay, well, get, I just can't get over it. they come from Ireland? Like, you think they... Okay. Um, they did not come from Ireland. <laughs> They have I'm a sorry, that, was very, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm used to you it. You just kept going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. okay. Back on track. Back on track. Do they nibble on potatoes? Okay. <laughs> sorry. So overall, the results of this study were very interesting, and they showed that an increased pain tolerance was caused by the loss of the melacortin one function of the melasitis rather than other cell types. And also that, you know, basically what this study showed was that gingers are just better and built different, I guess. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But that's kind of what it was Gingers are showing. built different and then you butchered the word melanocent. Me- I butchered it. Melanocyte? Melanocyte. Melanocyte. Okay, apologies oh to all the people out there that heard me mispronounce that word. It's melanocyte. 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 Okay. Melanocyte. Anyways, moving on. Scientists went on with this study to figure out, you know, why this occurred in these mice. And they looked into how the melocytes, melanocytes, sorry, affected the pain threshold of these mice, because that's kind of what the whole study was about. They found that the melanocytes in red-haired mice um, secreted lower levels of a protein called POMC. And POMC is cut into different hormones, including ones that enhance pain perception and another that blocks pain. 
And essentially, these hormones affect the balance between opioid receptors that inhibit pain. And y'all know what opioids are. Like right. they. We had a little episode on it. Oh, yeah, we did have a little episode. <laughs> a little episode on, oh, yeah, horse drink is an yep, opioid. Yep, okay. yeah. So basically, they, you know, stop pain in the body. They're natural pain remedies inside the body. So uh, these hormones affected the balance between opioid receptors that inhibit pain and uh, melacortin-4 receptors that increase pain sensitivity. So the presence of these hormones, what the scientists found, that affect both these receptors would seem to maintain a balance with people, like with the regular hair, without the red hair variant. And, but what the team found that the melacortin-1 red hair variant altered the balance of these opioid receptors in favor of the receptors, which actually means essentially that, you know, these mice with red hair and humans with red hair have a higher pain tolerance because they have more opioid receptors. Yeah. I just pinched Kelly and she didn't even feel it. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how big of a difference it is in humans, like, because, I mean, I don't have anybody else's, like, really... Pain sense. You don't know. Yeah. You, you don't... It's difficult to scale yourself on how high your pain tolerance is because you don't have a set boundary. I pinched Go, Michelle. Okay. <laughs> so that hurt. Yes, that did. And Kevin hurt. Here, pinch, pinch me the same way. Let's see if it hurts more. No, you can't say... But see, that's the thing that's so difficult. It's because yeah. how do you how do you know it hurts more than mine because you don't the know how mine hurts? The loudness of your scream. Yeah. I can't <laughs> Okay, that's well. a good test. <laughs> yeah, okay. Before we continue hurting each other, let's get through this. So the reason for this imbalance in people with the red hair variant is that separate opioid receptors, hormones, are plentiful and were essentially what, like unchanged throughout the body, whereas separate melacortin-4 hormones are not known to exist which, you know, mm-hmm. is, is very interesting. So thus, this tips the balance in favor of anti-pain opioid signal, signals inside people with red hair, mm-hmm. and which means, you know, high pain threshold. So you're probably wondering, you know, why is this study, like, important? Why, why are we talking about this? Well, I know it doesn't really affect any of y'all's life, but it does affect mine. And yeah, because I'm ginger, (laughs) thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) But because of these hormonal imbalances and a different genetic makeup, medical treatment for me may look different due to these factors. So for example, people with red hair need lower dosages of opioid medications than normal, which is a very like, it's a very important thing to consider when prescriptions are handed out because this can lead to like medical problems with like putting too much inside the body more than we need, you know. And also, many studies have shown like related to this that in general, redheads require 20% more anesthesia before being able to be fully sedated because of this mutation and that is so that's such a big point that i'm trying to make here is that you know it needs to be taken into account because 20 mm-hmm. percent is, is a, lot. a lot that's a huge difference you and know? that kind of plays a bit into my next segment because you know like ge- like not being fully sedated is something that can happen and has happened and it's really really dangerous and really scary when it happens yeah, it's it can be a really big problem, and it's more common in people with red hair because of this yeah. gene mutation. 
So all these things should be taken in into consideration. And uh, that's your weekly news. Hope you learned something. I sure did. All right, I'm now going to pass it over to Michelle for the meat of the podcast. Okay, so I have a really, really interesting story for everybody today. And it's a real, it's, it's a true story that kind of affects us all now. And um, it's about medical malpractice. So I just want to say, do you guys, you guys have heard of medical malpractice. Yeah, we've actually talked about it a lot, too. Yeah. With yeah. Gloria Ramirez. Yep, with yeah. Gloria Ramirez. Right, exactly. And so this is, a, this is, today is a case of extreme medical medical malpractice that has to do with a certain guy named Sherman Sizemore. And Sherman, he is a 73, he was a 73-year-old Baptist pastor. He used to be a coal miner. All his life, he worked in those coal mines. So... Anywho, one day Sherman was going into the um, doctor because he was complaining of really, really bad upper abdominal pain. And I mean, this kind of wasn't abnormal because he had been a minor for so many years. He'd, he'd known, like, he'd seen some bad health problems. So this was kind of just a normal thing for him to just go into the doctor whenever he was feeling like this. And the doctor, as usual, was like, okay, well, we're going to do a actually an exploratory lep- laparotomy, which is basically, he's like, okay, to find out what the true cause behind your uh, abdominal pain, we're going to do kind of a surgery. We're going to open and this is in uh early 2000s so um kind of surgery wasn't really that um it was more invasive than it is now today so they decided to do this exploratory laparotomy on sherman which was basically just a gigantic cut to just dig around his insides to find what the problem was what right that sounds like a good idea this was in 2007 what yes. i'm thinking this is like 1980s type no of thing. this is 2007 so actually 1980s could have been a little worse mm-hmm. scenario but i mean uh surgery has surgery believe it or not has really really developed within the last decade and it's been really yeah. like good to see that but anywho this was in 2007 and sherman's like okay we're gonna do this exploratory laparotomy completely okay with me cut me up and cut me open all good wow. so <laughs> so they end up taking him to the or and they're like okay this is gonna be an invasive procedure he knows this. And what they, they kind of wanted to kind of focus on was the area of the gall- gallbladder, which is more upper, 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 oh my gosh, upper level. Mm-hmm. So now this is when the real kind of issue starts happening. So they began to prep him for surgery, and the nurses and anesthesiologists began to, you know, kind of prepare him before the doctor's going to come in. And there's, like, like before surgery, there's kind of, like, a whole hour of just, you know, sedating, draping, or just a bunch of stuff has to go on. Yeah. So the anesthes- anesthesiologist began to give Sherman the cocktail of paralysis, which is basically a bunch of, like, um, the, all the medications, because when you're on mm-hmm. the table, you have paralysis-induced uh, medications, and you have the actual sedation. Okay. So he began, began to give him the cocktail of paralysis. And Sherman got knocked out, but he's still conscious, so he's still actually like um, aware of what was going on, but he just couldn't move. And they then after that they ta- decided to tape his eyes shut because that's what they always do before going into surgery. They, they, wait, 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 like use like medical tape. Oh, medical tape. I was imagining Dog like tape. One of the little- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was. Imagining. No, they use. I mean, it's it's standard procedure during a surgery to tape someone's eyes shut because you know you don't want anything falling to the eyes. Okay, is it always like this this time now though? Like- mm-hmm. Yeah, they still tape oh. people's eyes open closed because it's because you don't want anything falling why don't they just put on like a blindfold or like they, I swim think, goggles i think well, like what what's gonna fall in your eye when you're doing surgery blood. sweat blood stuff oh. from the gloves okay i get it i get that all right i mean there's just or, a bunch or the surgeons don't want to like see your creepy eyes well also it's also at it's <laughs> also just another d- thing of since he's paralyzed he can't close his eyes so it's oh, important yeah. to make sure they maintain uh. close because he can still actually when you go undergo this paralysis medication this is important now for the story your eyes still can remain mobile 
and he can still move his eyes around. However, his eyelids cannot move up and uh, like closed. So anywho, so they do all of this, and now the anesthesiologist is getting ready to uh, sedate him. However, as it seems, the anesthesiologist, some miscalculation happened, and Sherman wasn't sedated all the way. Wait, wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Was he ginger? No, he was not. Okay. Does it matter? It okay. Well, it does oh, matter. Pain tolerance. Yeah, pain yeah tolerance. exactly. Thank you. Is Darin, he a red-haired mice? Darren forgot this first thing that we we're talking about. Anywho, but this is a really, really big deal because all of a sudden Sherman was stuck on this table, this operating table, in the middle of this bright-lighted room, eyes taped shut, could not move, could not scream, could not do anything except frantically move his eyes around. Mm. I've heard a similar story. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he knew he wasn't fully sedated because he heard them say, oh, he's, he's gone under. Let's start. Like, let's call the doctor. And he he went crazy. Um, poor Sherman, he was on there moving his eyes like crazy to make sure could, someone could see his, like, kind of, like, eyes. Because when your eyes are closed and you move your eyes, you can see, like, like the tracking of, like, the pupil and whatnot. And, they, and he was just going insane. But sadly... They never noticed until oh a bit until a bit later into the surgery. That it almost feels like being like buried alive. Right. Like and that's what that's he does terrible. actually. Terrible. Yeah. And it's this is going to become one of the most traumatic and the most oh, chilling God. experiences Sherman will have to know in his life. That makes sense because they literally are gonna cut open yes. his stomach, dig inside his intestines. Yes. And everything this is a like more that. invasive surgery than usual. Like if you have like a lapar- laparoscopy, which is meaning you just have a small cut and then you push a little wand to, to get something done, that's less invasive and that still was invented at this time. Like okay, question. Yeah. You said he wasn't properly sedated all the way right, yes. but he still kind of was a little bit. No. He was what? completely awake. Oh, because he was sed- completely awake? Yo, did this anesthesiologist no, no, no. quit? So work? the sedation, what the sedation does is it puts you under, unconscious. Okay. So it can either work or it doesn't work. Oh, so that's you, the only thing it does. Right. There's no, like, numbing. There's no numbing. Oh. oh. Why did they not do any numbing for him? They did the, pr- because the, sed- the numbing comes with the, pr- with the sedation. The numbing comes with being unconscious. Oh. oh. But so that makes sense. The sedative didn't that i mean there's a lot of speculation why this didn't work there's a lot of speculation on why this didn't work so i mean it could have been just a miscalculation of his weight there's it just could have been a simple like error yeah which is really really that's dangerous not a simple right. error that's a that's a oh my god yeah oh anywho god. so all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> okay so anywho so now for 16 awful minutes sherman had to experience the most worst torture any human could ever go through and what's even worse is as a coal miner sherman had seen so much he he survived through avalanches and and collapsed rock roofs but he'd never have to endure something as brutal as this and he could later state that he could feel during the procedure he could feel like the the vacuum that they used like slurping and squelching around on his insides to like suction like the blood that he was like losing oh question yeah question isn't this like putting any student on like his mental oh mentality no. oh girl no, oh we're gonna get into yes. this we're gonna oh, get yeah. into this yes. it, Obviously, it like, really does like, it, it really takes a toll because it just it seems it like, really does take a toll okay. and i mean i mean just just to talk about more he could even he said that later he felt every cut he felt even when the cold metal retractor like was moving his organs in and out of the way oh. so they could get behind like his abdominal wall but even, but even more to his horror, what happened actually two minutes into the surgery, he, be, he was moving his eyes this entire time. He actually managed to get those, his taped eyelids open a little bit. But it made things a lot worse because now he could begin to see what the oh doctors God. were oh doing to him. Wait, how would he see it? Because he opened his eyes. Yeah, but he's laying down. How was he seeing his stomach? 
you can, can see it. See you can still it? see your stomach. I mean, from like peripheral vision. Well, yeah, but he's, he's just like, you know what I mean? If you're like, really oh, trying that okay. hard. Just yeah. look up then. It's no offense. No, but <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I he was just... actually cry. It made things just 10 times more traumatic for him because... Okay, because the reason why... Okay, a lot of times, this is just a little bit of a more backstory. There's a reason why... I don't know if you guys know, during, like, awake surgeries, like a C-section, the, yeah. the, the mother has to be awake. They actually put up a sheet between the patient and the surgery mm -hmm. because it, it's very shock-inducing to see what's going on to okay. you and to see what a doctor's doing to you. Oh, God, so him seeing, like, just right. ads on top. Yes, and more. he's just seeing these torture-like metal devices and he dig around and he can't do anything. And he okay, feels it all. Okay, seeing his eyes scattering around. 16 like minutes later through the surgery, finally someone yells out, oh my gosh she's awake and reportedly that same doctor that said oh my gosh she's awake passed out on the site i would passed too out. passed out because he was so like in shock, shock. oh okay because he was like oh my gosh someone's right awake. another question yeah how long was the surgery supposed to go on for the surgery went on for a couple hours it was supposed to go for another hours uh, it, it went. It went on for a couple oh, of hours. So oh, so when they God. saw... They, 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 they still continue with the surgery. And this is what... They still get... Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let's press the brakes for one second. <laughs> Time out. What? Okay. Oh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to explain okay, this. What happened. Better. 16 minutes later. I would have sewed me up at that point. <laughs> and exactly that. So okay. what happened was this guy... The doctor goes, oh my gosh, she's awake. What are we going to do? The doctors began immediately pushing painkillers, sedatives, everything. Mm. And finally, after 16 minutes of misery, he's put out. But just as soon as he's put under, the doctors begin to speculate among, the, among themselves. They begin to say, hold on a minute, guys. We're going to get sued. This guy's going to wake up from his surgery. He's going to say, I was awake during that. We're going to get sued. We're yeah. going to lose our licenses. Wait, and wait. guess what they decide to do as the group of amazing doctors that they were? They lied about it. They pushed an amnesiac um, uh, medicine so he would forget. forget. Ooh! I guess that. Yeah, he I guess that. They, all the doctors okay. made a okay. co collective decision to push nah. amnesiac fluid so he would forget and have a fuzzy memory of what had happened. Uh, here's here's my take on this. That is messed up. You know what? That is messed up. It's kind of genius if you think about <laughs> it. Kelly. It is wrong. We're literally talking about how inhumane this is. <laughs> yes, it is so inhumane. <laughs> but if you think, have you ever like seen like a villain in like a movie, like do something, you're like, oh, it's that's kind of smart. <laughs> I know this is so bad. This is such a horrible thing to do. So illegal. But so, so terrible. Smart. But, <laughs> but if, if I were a terrible, like, I'm a good person. But right. if, if I, okay, shut up. If I were a terrible person with a cold black heart. You know, this would seem like a good idea. However, I'm not that person, and this is horribly wrong. I'd like to make this very clear to all of you. Listening. Another question. Yeah. Oh, wait, not question, but, like, just a way that they would have thought this through. was like, wait, guys, we're going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We should do... We should forgive thank you. I would have cried. I would have left. Like I would have. I don't even know what I would have done. They all collectively agreed. They all did. Uh uh. Uh, even well, the yeah. anesthesiologist. I I believe. Wait wait. wait, wait. What, what about the it? one that passed out? Did you wake up back up and was like, no. Right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. Wait wait. I have a question. Yeah. So would would the doctors have gotten the nurses and even everybody involved gone sued? Wouldn't just the anesthesiologist? 
gotten in trouble. So actually, but they all agreed but on it. it. Well, yeah, but if, a like, part, a part, if they never, if they, if they never pushed the amniotic and it just kind of went on, what would have happened was since it's kind of a team. Like the anesthesiologist wasn't really the only one at fault here. Since I mean, the nurses could have seen what's going on. Yeah. I mean, even the, I mean, people they just but weren't like, really. Just like I think it was also just error. negligence a lot yeah. because they weren't really paying attention to him as a person. That they, I mean, he had his eyes open for a lot of the time he was awake, and I just think it was negligence that yeah. they weren't really seeing him. Okay. Okay. Anywho, so now. To continue on, the Back doctors on people would think now these doctors would begin to think, oh, he's gonna just forget everything as soon as he wake as soon as he wakes up, and that's kind of what happened at first. So Sherman woke up from from this seemingly like this traumatic thing, and he woke up and he was just really really confused and he woke up with just kind of an idea that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. He woke up in the ICU. I mean, he felt okay. Had a feeling, but he had this gut feeling that something had gone his gut wrong. Feeling. And he just he just <laughs> the thing is he just. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Anywho, but Sherman had Sherman had a gut feeling that something had gone wrong, and he was. And then, as soon as he got discharged, he started experiencing kind of these really weird flashbacks to memories he didn't even know he had. He began acting really weird at home, and he was just afraid of being alone all the time. He was unable to breathe at times. Insomniac. He had really bad dreams, and also this kind of goes to Kelly's point. A lot of the times he felt that people that were like kind of approaching him were trying to bury him alive. He was like, oh my gosh, stop yeah. it. Like, stop in your tracks. Like, you don't, like, so don't bury me alive. This is a mental like, toll. He, like, okay. like, he kind of remembered the yeah. emotions, the brain but not like the brain remembers. The brain the body doesn't. Yeah. Sorry. The body Shut up. <laughs> the body remembers. <laughs> the brain doesn't. Does. The body doesn't. Okay. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> so, slowly, after a couple days, Sherman began to withdraw from all social life. Like, he oh, didn't want to see his parents. God. He didn't want to see his anybody and when he would i mean back he, he would even um sherman's own father who was very old at the time even admitted to having like maybe one or two talks with his son in which he did reveal his traumatic memories which actually did help after this whole scenario goes by they actually do it the family ends up um suing the hospital which um and i would too and the father ends up um uh saying that he heard from his own son saying i felt them cut me open dad like question yeah okay so <clears throat> after the surgery mm-hmm. and he's feeling all of this mm-hmm. like approximately how many months or weeks is he, is he feeling this way days days, days. Oh, just no days. like discharge just as days. soon as he gets discharged home he's getting these really weird flashbacks okay. like dizziness spells he's getting all these really bad traumatic memory um sorry go ahead okay and <clears throat> so we were saying days right yeah and then days when the dad realizes that the, the, the hospitals at fault here yes okay then not funny but i'm pretty sure those doctors were like yeah we pulled it off <laughs> we're not going to jail guys i mean yeah but like uh, here's the thing I've already spoken a little bit on this, but you would, like, is there just, like, something, like, wrong? Like, was it the anesthesia's fault? Or, like, was there, like... It was a collective team. It was a collective, collective team, team error. Yeah, it was yeah. a collective okay. team error. Anywho, but soon enough, these behaviors started getting worse and worse within Sherman. And um, his wife kind of was too scared to say anything about it because, I mean, I mean, she kind of... I mean, to her, it was just a really scary scenario, and she didn't really feel, like, safe calling 911 because, I mean, he was an elderly old man, and she didn't want anything bad to happen to him. Like, she had already known she had already had bad experiences with the hospital in the past, and so she thought, oh, this is just, like, a kind of, like, a PTSD from his coal mining days, whatever the case is. She just never called 911. However, unfortunately, within a few days after, uh, there was a big 
kind of outburst he had and one day Sherman started began to scream out they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me over and over again and he said this for like almost six hours he was just Stop. screaming that on and, and his wife was so scared she didn't do anything and she was too scared to not call 911 and unfortunately for her and for the whole family I think it was just a, a day or two days later it was um that Sherman committed suicide no. Yes. No. Sherman did unfortunately. Unfortunately. No, I'm gonna cry. No, no so Sherman sad. committed suicide so a couple sad. of days after that final bout. Michelle, um, yes. So I know. He ended up shooting himself because the family does claim that he just it was too much trauma for him to relive. Like every single day, he was having to relive this. Wait, David, no, stop no, crying. David is actually crying. Wait, David is crying. Yes. Okay, guys, I'm actually crying now. Like, they know this. And I, it's just, it's, because if the doctors had told him, or, like, if the doctors hadn't put him under that, like, brain-forgetting mm-hmm. um, I mean, dosage, I mean, yeah, like, he yeah. wouldn't have, like, had gotten all that, like, sure, he would have still felt, like, the mental toll. But at least he would have, like, at least healed or know, knew the answers. Right. Because he it was, didn't know why he was, it was feeling this It was way. most of the confusion for him because he was feeling things he didn't know he had yeah, felt. Yeah, if he had answers, he probably would have gotten, like, good help because no one was calling 911. No one was getting him the help he needed. Mm-hmm. And, like, if somebody knew, like, if he knew that this is what would happen, he he could have, you know, told his wife and she would have had valid reason mm-hmm. now to alert somebody and to alert the hospital. Yeah. And, you know, it's, oh my God, it's Plus, so was, sad was, to think he about. He isolated himself mm-hmm. from all of this. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh my God. I know. Okay. He probably felt so alone. Yeah. It, and it's just, it's such a gruesome story it's to like so kind sad. of talk about. But this story, this gruesome story does get a sort of happy ending, I suppose, at the end of it all. Because many years later, um, the family actually did a... Ad- years? Years. Years. years because oh. it was it it took years for them to like kind of uncover the pieces that something had gone wrong during that surgery and years later this family did sue the hospital on the ground that they did not sedate sherman enough mm-hmm. however there's a bit some challenges and this is where we're going to get into more of a law aspect medical law which ooh, medical law yippee um but um Sorry, took me out. so there was so the process for medical law is very detailed and it's very very it's a long process that it takes so they have to go through all of these kinds of um legal barriers and obstacles the family had to go through i mean first of all this the doctors that performed the surgery had a very 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 good reputation they had never had a medical malpractice um case filed against them ever that was a very big obstacle right Mm -hmm. um so also what the hospital claimed was that the injuries that were dealt by the hospital like immediately by the hospital were only 16 minutes of pain and they felt that they didn't really need to compensate the family. Like, they didn't need to, like, oh. do that much for the family. What? Because in, what they claim is it was only 16 minutes of pain. Only 16? Hold on. Are you? Are yeah. You yeah. Hold on. 20 <laughs> seconds are would be enough for me. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. And that's what the hospital <laughs> did end up saying. What about those four doctors? I need to talk to them. <laughs> okay. Let's call them up in jail. <laughs> okay. Anywho. You guys... Oh, okay. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it right now. Okay, Anywho, also, there, you guys do know when someone goes under surgery, they have to sign an agreement saying that there could have, there could be mistakes that were made during the surgery. Yep. That that binding agreement, they both signed it, doctor and patient, which also was a very oh. big legal obstacle for the two. Okay. 
And there's also the obstacle of causation. Medical malpractice can only be filed if there was a direct sort of like if the doctor intentionally knew about it and kept going. And see, that's the question of causation versus negligence. Mm. Because is it neg- is negligence like th- uh, being not aware of this patient sort of the same thing as n- like not doing anything about it? Okay. Um, my take on that is that if like they didn't know mm-hmm. that he was that he could feel all that, but what they chose to like. The way they try to cover that up yep. and mm-hmm. to give him drugs, like wasn't isn't that amnesia? That's actually yeah. against the law. That's called exactly. Um, that's a uh, uh, binding by chemical restraint. Wait, mm-hmm. I have a question. Um, how? Why did they have that medicine? The doctors have medicine act- in, around in two thousand and seven. Um, medicines. I mean, they're doctors. They could order whatever they'd like. So they like, uh, okay. I'm thinking like they just like had it no, around and they, they like of, let's give it to him. Like who carries that around? No, they the just hospital? they ordered it from the lab or they ordered it from the pharmacy at the hospital. Okay. I have another question. So um, we're talking now the whole contract thing, right? So if they hadn't done given that <clears throat> and then any amnesiac, amnesiac, um, wouldn't they have gotten away with it kind of thing? Because it was signed, right? Exactly. Because actually, this legal obstacle because. Nobody, nobody knew about the amnesiac until I think it was in the middle of this whole ordeal mm-hmm. that one of the doctors admitted to everything that had happened. Was it the one that passed out? That's what I think. That's what I think I read, but I'm not sure. You can't like quote me on that, but I think that's what happened because during this whole ordeal, the family was really struggling against this big corporation hospital. They couldn't get any dirt on them really, just for them to compensate for their loss or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only until and they didn't know about the amnesiac at all. Like they didn't know. Okay. And it was only until um. What the doctor that came clean with it came clean with it and he said everything that had happened and he said that privately to the family and to the hospital both yeah. i mean and that's kind of where um at the end of the at the end of the story at the whole ending to wrap this all up the doctor or the family and the hospital ended up not going to court they um because they kind of went through pre-trial but they never went to trial for medical malpractice and um they uh the family got their info they got their closure and what they wanted to and the family decided to just settle Settled really? with the hospital. Yep, it was a confidential. It was a confidential settle. So I can't. I don't know the details on what they settled for, how they settled for it, but it was a confidential settle, and apparently the both family and the hospital were were okay with it. Oh my god. None of the doctors were put in jail. None of the doctors were had serious? their. None of the doctors had their license revoked. None of the doctors had any consequences. Well, are, they, they, are they still working? Are they still working? I don't are know. they proud of them? I don't. Know. Are they proud of? I don't know. Like what? Yeah. Did they know that he killed himself? Yes, the hospitals were of that. No, Did, the doctors. I don't know. I don't know if that, if I were one, let's just say I was one of those doctors, somehow I got roped into this. I I couldn't live with myself. I, no, I, myself. I could not live no. with myself knowing no. that that happened mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. watch. Like, that's blood, on, that's blood on your hands. Like, you can't wash that off. That's, it's essentially the same as murder to me. It like, that's the same as murder. Honestly, like, indirectly, and you're a doctor. You like life is why you should like you know kind of thing like what the hell? How do you care more about your status and title than your own goddamn patients? It's just I can't. I know. I, can't. I know. It, it's it's really mind-boggling to think that they're still like well this was in 2007 so hopefully the medical community is better off yeah, by now better. but you know it's just really mind-boggling to think that uh, doctors who had signed the Hippocratic oath that we talked about last right week. would 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 you know think it's okay to just you know. Oh, so he was, Cover this up. He was 73 years old. 73. Stop. 73. Oh, he was a sweet imagine. old man. And, and I mean, like, also, I think that's another reason why um, the wife never ended up calling. Because it could have just been um, that he was having some Alzheimer's development. And that's also what Stop. the hospital did end up using He's against the elders again. again. And it's just, 
it, it just go i think this whole thing goes to show how um how how like I suppose like the glory and the fame and the like, recognition of being a doctor can get to some people's heads. Like how we talked yeah. about with Niels Hogel, how yep. like that power got to his head. And oh my God, the life and death. Yep. Oh my God. And how her case was never really. Nope. Like she never nope. got justice. Nope. nope. Family never got justice. And then, and this is a case that yes, the family is settled with it. And I mean, I'm happy for the family, but still, like, um, I mean, it's not my place to really say this, mm-hmm. but like the doctors really never really see any consequences. So. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they have to live with themselves now, and I'm sure that's, you know, something that's always they're going to have to live with. But, okay, and also, uh, I just did a little bit more research into this kind of on the um, legal aspect of it. So I did some research, and apparently, so uh, fr- some legal expert did some research on this, and as it seems, uh, the family would have had enough evidence if they decided to go through with the medical malpractice lawsuit, they probably could have won, and they probably could have gotten the, the hospital in really, really big trouble and gotten all those three li- doctors' licenses revoked, anesthesiologist license revoked. I mean, they could have got, done some really good trouble here, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it was a family's decision, and I respect mm-hmm. that for them settling, but still. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it is their like business, their personal life. But in my opinion, I think it's a little irresponsible because not only are they kind of letting his life go to waste, but they're also like maybe someone might have gone through this as well mm-hmm. or will go through this. And them deciding to like settle is just continuing this battle of like them getting richer and committing more harm. Or like here's the thing, like the no nobody involved in this wanted him to be awake and so you know maybe bring up that point maybe they're going to be more careful like maybe now they're they they can't do it they they can't afford any mistakes because they can't or they're going to jail. or maybe now that they see that their devious plan worked they're gonna <laughs> do it again no i doubt it because no. none of them wanted to, none of them wanted to do it i don't because i mean the only reason why they would do it again is I mean, I really couldn't see it. I mean, after seeing what had happened to the poor guy, yeah. like, I mean, they had unless seen Unless they're firsthand. evil. Unless they're literally an evil person, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it would happen again. Which, I mean, I really can hope that. I mean, I, I think, honestly, by the time, I think that their reputation is, I mean, because this case kind of was released to the public. I think that they're off. Anywho, thank you so much for listening to my main section of the podcast and that delicious apple crunch. I, you just couldn't leave it out. And here, and here, anywho, here is um, Dareen. So for today's tips and tricks, I will be talking about trauma and how to manage it through stretching, breathing exercises, and yoga. So raise your hand if you have trauma. Right here. You got, you got, you got trauma? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That's not funny. We're in trauma right now, guys. Okay. So um, we're more familiar with trauma affecting our emotional well-being and even intruding on our daily lives. Are you guys? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so some people seek therapy to regulate their emotions so that they can release, you know, stored up trauma out outside. And that's like, that's kind of what most people are familiar with, you know, going to therapy, talking with someone. But trauma is both phys- uh, psychological and physiological. So this means that in order to fully regulate and release um, trauma, both your mind and your body, they those have to work together. So you can't just, you know, talk, give yourself a pep talk or go to therapy. You also have to do the stretching, um, you know, all, the, all like the exercise, things like that. So trauma is mainly seen through emotions and minds like we've covered, but when it's left not uh, processed completely, it manifests into your physical uh, symptoms as well, such as 
as uh, headaches, uh, nausea, fatigue, increased heart rate, sweating, trouble falling mm-hmm. asleep, and much more. Mm-hmm. So if you sometimes have these symptoms and you have no idea why they're suddenly kind of like arising, it might be due to unregulated, untreated trauma that has manifested its way into your body. I mean, and that makes sense because I mean, a lo- I know a lot of people who have um, like I, I t- sometimes I have anxiety attacks. Not, I'm not, not going to go super deep on that, but you know when you when it comes along with that, like you do have trouble breathing, headache, you know, kind of like altered perception. Yep. And it just um, like your mental health has a physical toll on you. Like whether like, whether how much you'd like to admit it or not, mind and body are very 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 connected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like Michelle said. So when trauma is seen through physical means, it also means it can be treated through physical activities. We're pretty familiar with the basics such as going on a walk, regulating breathing and exercising, but those can do so much more than what people actually realize. Uh, take yoga, for example. When you stretch your limbs in like weird positions to relieve stress and any tension in your body, but you can also release some heavy set trauma stored in your body as well. Um, I remember seeing this video of this girl who was like, like midway through yoga, she was like, um, she was crying her heart out and, you know, just completely having like this existential crisis. She was just like overtaken by so many emotions. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was very confused by this. Like what, like usually when I'm exercising or doing yoga, I'm not crying. Like I'm yeah. like, it's a complete opposite. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's like, I don't need to do yoga. Yeah, I don't do yoga, but like... I, I've done yoga in the past, and like, honestly, like, I can see why a lot of people don't find the appeal, since it, it is a very, um... It's Acquired taste. Yeah. Aqu- acquired taste. Yeah, um, do you have something to say? Um, yeah, like, yoga and stuff like that isn't for everybody, you know, as Michelle was talking about, but, you know, the other techniques that you're going to be talking about are also very important. Mm-hmm. So, um, when she was doing this yoga stretches, like I said... Um, now I don't remember what kind of stretch she did, but she said that she like just started like just a full explosion of all emotions, like just mm. everywhere all at once. And again, she was really confused by this. And this happened to her because she had so much stored up trauma in her body, like in her mind, or just like trauma in general yeah. that manifested its way into her body. And, you know, like she just, she wasn't seeing the symptoms, wasn't understanding it. She hadn't regulated her trauma this way. So like when she, when she like do, do, did the stretches, yep. it kind of like, like calmed her mind a little bit and the trauma was able to like kind of like come out kind of thing yeah and um this is it's also scientifically proven as well that like a lot of trauma come come out this way that's why we have physical therapists because a lot of them they help with people who have either generational trauma or just trauma in general uh, with like anxiety depression ptsd who have like during sessions they're just crying they're screaming they're letting all out of their like they're letting all their emotions out through these exercises and it's like it's so fascinating and interesting because it's just taking therapy and mental health on like a whole other level and it's just seeing how much people how much like pain people are going through and i think it's um you know a really like cool tip and tricks for you guys if you would like like maybe just want to like let some emotions out not just through like anger or things like that like exercising and doing these yoga stretches are very important now, similarly, 
regulating your breathing can also be more relieving than people think as well. Uh, many breathwork techniques can make this happen through physical therapists, like I've mentioned. And um, now the therapist is important because having a person there with you to regulate your breathing will optimize the full experience because you know you have you have someone with you to like yeah. hug to you know just take care of you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, but you as that individual, you have uh, a safe environment to really like just regulate your 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 body your yeah. mind everything like that yeah so i think that's a yeah, it's important to have like that guide with you because i mean a lot of people don't know i mean this is such a new kind of i mean i really never heard about um kind of yoga or i've heard of yoga but i've never heard of yoga being used as a technique nor breathing used, used as a technique to really strong trauma so i think it's really important for like you know, to have someone guide you through it can really, yeah, like, especially help. especially if you don't want to, like, seek a therapist kind sure. of thing. Yeah, because I know, like, like talking about, like, your emotional problems to somebody that you don't know, it's, Ooh. again, Ooh. it's it's really yeah. not for everybody. And it really, it, this can be a way better alternative. And that's exactly why physical therapists are so important because they don't really say anything. They just kind of, like, just, like, uh, lightly stretch, like, stretch your body, your limbs, things like that. And it's, you know, it's just that per- that person kind of just being there, like no judgment, no nothing like that. It's it's really nice, and you know, it makes people feel very supported. So yeah, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for our ninth episode. Bye. That's all for now. Stay tuned, and remember, take those vitamins, drink that water, touch that grass, and most importantly, don't forget your, your weekly, weekly dosage. dosage.